Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you again for our online worship. Let's begin this morning with jazz. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Well, in our family, we listen to a lot of jazz music. Some of us have loved jazz for a long, long time, and others of us have grown to appreciate it. I'm taking a bit of a risk here because I know some of you on this, um, on my Zoom screen here, are really serious and talented musicians. So you can correct me later if I'm way off. But here's something that I have learned. In a jazz quartet, there are the the drums, the bass, the piano, and then a soloist instrument, maybe a saxophone, a trumpet, a trombone. And they all work together, but it's the bass and the drums that keep the music grounded. While the soloist and the piano player, they go all over the keyboard. The solo instruments are the ones that get the most attention and the most praise. You often hear um, some people clap after they play, but it's the bass and the steady drums that keep the music feeling steady. These are the instruments that to me are kind of comparable to the string of a kite that you hold on to while the kite dances all over the sky. It's the bass and the drums that are like the tether. And I started thinking about this after the events of this week, because seeing our Capitol building invaded by violent rioters was deeply unsettling. It was so frightening to see so many people carrying and wearing symbols of hate and exclusion. And then all of those Christian symbols and even the large flag, did you see it? Jesus 2020 draped across the Capitol steps. And so Christian leaders have been coming out with public statements saying things like, I don't know what Bible these people are reading or what Jesus they are following, but it in no way is the Jesus of the Bible. This is in no way what our faith calls us to be about. Well, you and I and probably everyone are still processing all of this as events continue to unfold and as we learn more, but it's really gotten me thinking about the importance of being grounded. And what are those base notes that we especially need to hear right now? What do we need to focus in on so that we feel anchored and so that we are tethered to the source that gives us strength and courage so that we can rise up and do our part to build a better world. Let's pray. Well, gracious God, we turn to you. We bring all of who we are and all of how we are feeling to you, praying that you would just pour out the power of your spirit upon us, give us hope and encouragement and faith as we journey forward. Make it so, for we pray it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right. Well, we are in the book of Luke, and this morning we are on chapter three. So today's story begins with John the Baptist. Here is a picture of him. John was a bold preacher who, in this passage, talks about repentance and justice and loving one's neighbor and honest, selfless living. And as you know, he was paving the way for his cousin, the long-awaited Messiah. Before Jesus arrives, we read that John was unhinged in his disapproval of the corruption and the injustice that he saw in his day. And he had a lot to say about it. And not everyone liked what he had to say, especially Herod. Now, the Herod in this story is the son of Herod the Great, Herod the Great who ruled when Jesus was born. You remember, he was the paranoid leader who ordered every child under two to be killed around the time when Jesus was born. This Herod in this story, he was a little better than his father, a little more stable, but not too much. Luke said that this Herod did many evil things. One of them was that he stole his brother's wife. Her name was Herodias. And in doing so, he communicated that he was above the law. Leviticus 20, 21, you shall not take your brother's wife to be your own. Herod was one of the world's many corrupt, selfish, immoral leaders who cared only about himself. And he saw John the Baptist as a threat. And so Herod abducts John, hauls him off to prison, and eventually he kills him. Well, let's begin reading the story. This is Luke 3, 18 through 20. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Now, remember, John was the cousin of Jesus. So this imprisonment would have been a traumatic event, not only for John, but also for Jesus. If you have had a family member sent off to prison or something horrible happened to them, you know this is a really big deal for you as well. Well, let's continue reading the story. Verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Wouldn't you love to know what Jesus was praying about? I wonder, was he praying for John and for John's family? Was he praying about himself? He had just been baptized. Maybe he was praying because he was distraught about what had happened. We don't know, right? We just know that Jesus was praying. Well, oftentimes before I pray, I just take some big, deep breaths to clear my mind, to get centered, 
And I love talking about the breath because I really think it's this underused, underappreciated tool that God has given us that is available for every single one of us. More specifically, to get to fine tune it here, it's in the exhale that we find a treasure trove of benefits, especially for managing our stress and our, and our anxiety. It's when we exhale that we're given an invitation to think about something hard and just to let it go, like our frustration, our anger, whatever, and to surrender it to God. For many of us, big exhales can be really helpful, especially right now, because our nervous system, for most of us, it's all out of whack. We're dealing with unhealthy amounts of stress, living through this pandemic, hearing about more and more people who have the virus, worried that we might get it, or our loved ones. And then there's everything else uh, going on. And it really has implications for our health and our mental and our physical well-being. In yoga, we talk about the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is that fight or flight. It's when the blood pressure and the heart rate go up, when our breathing is really shallow, breathing from the neck. And this is really important when we're running away from a bear. We need this God-given fight or flight state. But most of the time, we don't really need this. And many of us are living in this state of being. The other part of the nervous system is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the rest and digest part of us when we are relaxed, when we are at ease. And the awesome thing is we can activate this part of us by simply taking a deep breath, focusing in specifically on the exhale, allowing it to be a little longer than the inhale. And there's all sorts of benefits for us with this. And I'm not going to go into that, but one of them is to help us. It helps us get focused, helps us unwind, and it helps us get into this state of feeling grounded which is of course really important, not only for our own health, but so that we can respond well to all that happens in our lives and in the world with a thoughtfulness and with a clarity, kind of in a proactive way, not just reactively. And so I imagine Jesus here taking a few long, deep, slow breaths as he enters into prayer. Maybe this resembles what you've been doing this week. I know I have been taking a lot of deep breaths just to manage my own stress, praying for our country, praying for our leaders, praying for the families of those who have died, praying even for those who've committed these violent acts. Probably need to do more of that myself. Praying for all who have this virus. It's a week for deep breaths and a lot of prayer, right? Well, when we pray, it doesn't, as we know, always change things around us in the way that we want, but it always changes us. Let's continue reading the story. The heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. 
And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Well, this passage marks the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. He is baptized. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And a voice from heaven calls him the beloved. And it begins his ministry, which we can really talk about as a ministry of acknowledging the belovedness in other people, especially those who were excluded, rejected, overlooked, ignored. These people in particular, Jesus would welcome, he would heal, and he would love. This is the one that we seek to follow, this one called the beloved, known also in the scriptures as the prince of peace. This is the one who told Peter to put down his sword, the one who calls us, who teaches us to pray for our enemies, to turn the other cheek. This is the one who called his followers not to put their faith in the government, not in Caesar, Caesar, but to put their faith in God. This is the one who courageously and clearly spoke out about the injustices of his day and calls us to do the same. He was very clear to condemn all that was not of God. There is no one that would ever call him complicit. And Jesus, of course, is the one who paved the way, who set the example, and who teaches and leads and empowers us also to walk in this way of humility, self-sacrifice, courage, service, and of course, nonviolence. This week reminds us of how important it is to take the time to pray, to study the teachings of Jesus, and to meditate, to marinate ourselves in the love of God. I was talking to a friend the other day about um, John Lewis and Martin Luther King and wondering, we were wondering together, what would they say to us right now? What would they put in their Twitter feed if they were still among us? I don't know, but I imagine these men of faith might say something like, keep praying and keep carrying on. We've got a lot of work to do. Carry on with courage and with hope. We need God to give us that continual strength, and hope, and guidance, on the way forward. And so this month, I'm inviting all of you to join me each week for a time of Lectio Divina. This is that ancient practice of reading the scripture a few times with silence in between. We're trying to create a space for God's spirit to grow more deeply within us, to ground us in his love so that we can be launched out of our place of prayer into the world and respond to um, the people and events in our lives and around us with courage and with hope. Well, here's the really good news, I think, of this passage. Jesus was named God's beloved, but this is our name as well. You and I, we have a new name, and it is God's beloved. There's so much we could we could say just about that, but I want to just close by reading Romans 8, a small section of it. 
This is a passage that speaks of God's love for us and what it means for our lives, that we live with God's love, that we lived as people who are God's beloved. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, may we take long, slow, deep breaths, marinating ourselves in the love of God, grounding ourselves in these promises. And may we keep laser focused on Jesus and how he lived and how he prayed and how he loved and how he gave his people in his world everything he had to give. May he help us to do the same. Amen.